0: hello and welcome to episode number 24 of the miller's game room podcast i'm your host miller and in this one we talk about video games and uh issues surrounding them and uh this is going to be the long overdue uh tokyo game show themed podcast and also a catch-up for episode number 24 uh first off uh where have i been um bunch of things happened basically uh I had instant issues twice and I had to get someone out to come fix them so obviously I couldn't upload anything and also whenever I arrived, didn't have internet issues I was actually away on some pre-planned trips had a good time did some nice things uh, made some memories etc and so forth and also um when I finally got it all settled I forgot about Tokyo Game Show happening this week so I decided you know what fuck it I'm just gonna delay the episode until the news is out and then go from there Although I'm recording this on like Friday evening, so it's possible there'll still be more news announced that really interests me, and I will have to add it in later. So if there's any awkward cuts, that's why. A more positive thing, though, is uh, I got reminded by an uh, anchor this week that it's been a year since I uploaded episode number one of the Miller's Gaming podcast. So it uh, would be for the uh, posting the crossing the one year mark for the podcast and uh, thank you all for listening especially if you're a recurring viewer or found this for the first time thank you so much and that makes up to one podcast every two weeks which is really nice and that's kind of the goal I'm gonna be aiming for which is really cool um so yeah um that's been quite big and it's been quite nice especially like starting this podcast primarily to like manage like severe mental illness and stuff especially at the time even though now it's like I just do still do it because I enjoy it and uh, can talk about video games and uh, boost attention to things so um as for the structure of the episode it's going to be at first some miscellaneous news and it's not related to Tgs and then it'll be showcases so I'm gonna start with NS America showcase because that happened last week. Then nintendo direct and then a bunch of other like tgs stuff and some Visionable news as well um there's going to be a few things that i won't talk about that have happened mainly because i either was not interested or i don't have much value to add to the conversation so things like gamescom opening night live uh, i watched that it existed i don't much talk about there uh, sony state of play was very much the same uh, the yakuza event um i read the announcements from that I've never played Yakuza, but they look great. All three of those announcements are great, but I've got nothing to add to the conversation because I've not played the Yakuza game. And also, the double Kickstarter campaign happened at the start of September, and similar things that people know about, and I'm not going to talk about them because you wouldn't know about them. Especially things like the Kickstarters of Penny Blood and the Wild Arms successor, however it's called, on Fantasia. They look good, but again, like, you probably know about them, because that's what video game news is like, huh? The cycle, the eternal 24-7 cycle, where people find out about this stuff. And yeah, I'm going to stop rambling and chatting crap, so let's start with the uh, Miss news. G-Mode Archives Plus, Megami Tensei Gaiden, Shin Yaku, Last Bible 2, Haji Mario no Fukuin. Uh, this is now coming to the Nintendo Switch, and is another Japan-only Shin Megami Tensei game. That originally came out for feature phones in Japan, which is like a whole separate feature phone like ecosystem, which existed in Japan in the 2000s. Uh, never released anywhere else until now. Uh, there's no date for it. It will cost 800 yen. Um, this follows the release of the first game, which was early this year. Uh, so that's going to be cool. Will it come west? don't know, but it's good that it exists regardless though, because it's not exclusive to that phone system format now, which is an issue of preservation. Next one, uh, Fan Modders announce a Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory Final Mix mod. This features uh, a friend matchmaking and some like compatibility for Rechart fan mod, because this is only for the PC version, by the way. So if you want to check out this mod, you'll need to get it on Steam. Uh, this came out back in late August. I didn't know about it, but I'm talking about it now because I think it's really cool that mods like this exist. Hopefully Square Enix won't take it down or Disney won't take issue with it but it makes the game better from what I've seen so you can I'm gonna leave a link to get in that in the description and of this video and podcast so if you want to check it out take a look next bit of news which is funny uh Babylon's fail aka okay, Babylon's fall but let's be honest if you're gonna think of Babylon's fall you're gonna think of Babylon's fail uh because it's now been announced to be ending service on February twenty-seventh, twenty twenty three. So not even a year old. And that's just funny, like it's launched as a full-price game. So if you bought that game, you got ripped off, basically. And season two and that got pushed forward and cycled out like it's just like they a while ago they announced a statement going, Oh, we assure you it's not cancelled, we're still working on it, and now it's like yeah, we're gonna scrap season three, we'll just release season two, and then we're done. Sorry. And it's already been delisted. You can't get it on PSN, you can't get it on Steam. Physical copies are no longer being sold at retailers, even though I do think it's actually awful the e-waste that that's gonna create, but hopefully the cases can be re- saved and recycled for other releases. But overall, funny and just, what a disaster, but a well-deserved disaster, especially if you genuinely unironically think fooling the homogenous live service model is a good idea. And um, from what I've seen, the player count for active players on Steam have been so low that it makes sense that you can't just financially justify keeping this stuff open. And like Square Enix in general have been on like in recent years, like aside from the Western game stuff and Babylon's fail, have generally been getting better with their releases. So like I'm hoping now that this means that Square Enix are finally like, you know what, we need to just focus on what we actually do right, which is single player RPGs. They did also put a statement out recently where they wanted to focus more on, like, collaborations and so not so much, like, taking minority stakes of companies compared to, like, full acquisitions. Kind of similar to what Nintendo does, which is a separate thing, which I don't have in my notes, but that's a thing which is good. So, like, I think Square Enix are starting to kind of realise that, and um, that's good. So, hopefully there won't be any more problems, but still lol babylon's fail failed ha 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 ha, ha. yeah i'm not doing the obnoxious tidus laugh because that will just be really loud i don't want to ruin people's ears with that but uh okay and now on to the uh nis showcase because this is a big thing uh some news got announced. The announcements were teased to be four titles. Then they got leaked almost instantly because NS America accidentally published them on their website for the thing and then it got a screenshot and if you go beneath their announcement tweet for that, there was literally someone posting a picture of the games. So I knew what they were before it happened, but then the event happened. Um, they're all uh, Nipponichi software titles. They've all been dated for like spring 2023. So like they're like march to june of next year which is pretty good actually for these and um they all look they all look pretty good some a lot more than others but i'm going to go through them uh first one is a uh, void terrarium 2. this is the second like game in that little sub series it's another uh, cartoonish platformer apparently these are some of the like not as noteworthy games but this is for like well ps4 switch so they're basically all of these are for ps4 and switch Two of them for PS5 as well. But this one is not one of the PS5 ones. It looks okay. Don't want to say on that. Uh, next big one was a Grim Grimoire once more. So this is like the remake enhanced port of the collaboration title between Nipponichi Software and Vanillaware. So yeah, Vanillaware and ports go together like bread and butter. And this game is no exception. Um, this is um, coming next year. Same same other times. And... Uh, Yeah, it's a nice little strategy RPG. A lot of people loved it on the PlayStation 2. I've not played it. I've wanted to pick up the PS2 physical, but money. But now we can get this version, and it looks good. And I'm hoping it turns out really well in terms of its localization. And then the third one, which is the one I really want the most, and I'm happy to have the most, is Process of Elimination. This is uh, the first NIS-developed visual novel to be officially localised, especially by NS-America. Uh, this one was released in Japan under the name Tantai Bokimetsu, and this game is a murder mystery. So it's got you literally on this island, you've got to find the identity of the quartering duke, which happens to be one of the 14 elite detectives, not you of course. So you've got to narrow down like these detectives and find out which one's been killing people. And it looks really charming actually. It's got some nice unique quirks, got a nice full limited edition and a deluxe edition. So, NAS aren't being like cheaping out with a limited print for this one, which is really cool. And I'm really hoping this turns out well. And so, the game's good, obviously. And then it can bring more over. Um, I'm very happy with this one. It's probably going on my like most anticipated games of 2022 list. And this also gives me some hope that NICE are, are going to do more of these their vision novels that NIS have done, because NIS have done quite a few. Um, I am actually contemplating doing a video on the NIS vision novels because there's actually quite a lot, and I have actually been writing the script for that. Um, I don't know if I'll go ahead of it though, because the announcement's kind of like, it's already happened, but let me know if anyone wants to see that. Um, but I'm hoping to see the Shin Heragami games, because you can get all three of those games on Switch. And if they really want to, port them to PS4 as well, especially the first game, because that doesn't have a PS4 version. Um, Furaiki 4, which I've talked about before, that is a really interesting, like, real-world Japan experience game. And I think that would do really well in the West, so I hope they come back and do that one. And then I mentioned Yoritomozu, which is the least likely, which is a horror of the end, setting up, like, high school with Yuri, which is unique. Also, while I'm at it, the console version of Iwaihimi, which had actually been released on Steam, you can see Nipponichi Software's copyright on the Steam page for that, so maybe that will happen, maybe not though, because that's only on PS4 in terms of viable ports, because it does have a PS Vita version, but who would release a Vita game in 2022 that isn't a modder or hacker, so that's not going to happen. But yeah. um, Also, there were people wanting them to announce Kuro Like, people were like thinking that, hmm, this is an event where nice to announcing four games. Let's see if they'll announce Kuro because I really want them to announce Kuro Even though Zero, A O, and Hajimari, and Neyuta, the four Trails games they already announced, are not out yet. There are people seriously advocating that, and then it's like, please, just take a step back and actually think this through logically they're not going to suddenly announce this other localization that they may or may not have already started working on at this event when they've not released any of the other stuff and they've already been criticized for the long localization times for these games and that's a legitimate critique to have but also understandable because of the sheer length of these games they did also land in some hot water with the trails fan base because nicer were like um, they say they spreadsheet because there was a fan like translated spreadsheet on a wiki and had the text for Kuro no Kazeki, which bear in mind Nysa haven't announced Kuro no Kazeki, but somebody from 4chan, which is an amazing community by the way, you always know something good's going to happen when 4chan is involved, sarcasm, uh, decided to inject the text into a patch which you can actually play with the Steam version that Clouded Leopard have put out for... That, which um, led to nicer taking down the, going to the site and asking him to take it down. So he took all the spreadsheets down, which included Kura and a couple of other Falcon games, which nicer have actually got the rights for. But it's kind of like they did get criticism for that. And I kind of get it, but also like it's an implicit confirmation that they've picked up the rights to Kura no Kaseki because a lot of people have criticized them for the takedown because they've not announced it. But it's like, I kind of get it from their perspective, but also the patch still exists. There will still be people that will be playing Kuro with the patch. Unless Clouded Leopard go back to the PC version and patch out compatibility with this patch, then I think there's there's not much like they can do at this point, to be honest. Like I get it. I get NICE's perspective. I see how people don't like it, but the patch will still exist. So if you want to play Kuro no Kazeki, play the patch. And I think that will probably come in 2024, hopefully the first half of 2024, after the other Falcom games are out. Because these localization times really do need to be shortened a bit. But once the, the cross belt arcs out, like Zero and Desert, then it will become a lot easier. And I also forgot to mention the fourth game that NICE hell at the showcase. This is like Monster Menu, The Scavenger's Cookbook, which is basically... The Disgaea team's previous game in between Disguise 6 and the recently announced Disguise 7, which I'm not getting into here, but that's also been announced. I've kind of been around cooking, and it's kind of like a hybrid between strategy RPG, like survival and roguelike. It looks good, actually. And this is the other like game that's coming to PS5 as well as for Switch. So hopefully this one turns out well. I'm interested. Probably not enough to buy it, but you never know. Might be the start of a new franchise. Because Nipponichi really needs new franchises now. Not just Disgaea. Which hasn't been confirmed for the West. But will probably eventually happen. Now on to the Nintendo Direct portion. Because a Nintendo Direct was announced. And happened a few days ago. At the time of recording. And uh, yeah. I need to start with The Elephant in the Room. Because otherwise it will come up later. And I'm going to try, try, try not to mention it. Aside from now. A lot of people will know that the Direct was not streamed live in the United Kingdom because of the passing of Queen Elizabeth II and this whole mourning period thing which uh, I am living through that memorial period right now and I say moral in quotes because it is ridiculous and it's obnoxious and just a whole bunch of awful things and just like it's you know, like, in you go, you know North Korea and a lot of people see North Korea as this cultish place. We have a picture of the leader everywhere and the idea that the country must gather around and honour this leader. It's basically like that with the whole, like, you can find photos everywhere of the Queen and shops closing on the day of her funeral, which is next Monday at the time of recording, and it's just very obnoxious. It's cult-like and it's... It's just, and that's not even the worst part. But Nintendo didn't need to go along with this; they just didn't. It's just, ah, uh, irritating. And like, and a lot of people know it's like, like a lot of people like, why didn't you stream in the UK? I had to watch the US one, which is like, yeah, like it. There was no point not streaming it because people were just going to just tune in from the US or other regions. It's it's piss easy to get around this. And they were like, oh, we'll just upload it at 4pm as a direct watch. But by that point, most people who really wanted to watch it live will already have seen the announcement. So it, like, it served no purpose. And a lot of people in the description already would have seen it. And it's just, like... Also, the reply is a lot of people were talking about uh, why you're not streaming that kind of thing. So, like, yeah, not a good decision. But not entirely Nintendo's fault because of all the... uh, the monarchy banks wanking by the flag shaggers and this disgusting servitude of a lot of British people and the turned it to go along with that especially because well we're not a UK based company just it was felt it was just gross and it just um that left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth as well as other people so a uh, little rant over uh by the way if anyone's upset about the whole. People are critiquing the monarchy. I suggest you look up the history of the uh, what the Queen did, including with colonisation, racism, uh, bigotry of other forms, especially towards the severely, severely disabled relatives in the royal family who they uh, basically publicly announced that were dead like decades ago, but the second person of the lot only died as recently as 2014, and they didn't acknowledge it until they passed, which is, yeah, awful people. So bear that in mind because that also drives the annoyance I have personally and many others too towards just not this but everything but anyway I didn't want to rant but that's why i am doing it all up front now because it's either that or subconsciously bring in later although I will say is I'm going to cover Breath of the Wild 2 first because the game announcement for that included its name and that was a uh, Tears of a Kingdom, and I can kind of see why that might have caused a few eyebrows to raise. But like, you would have had to announce it at some point anyway. And well, it happened. The gameplay for that looked great, by the way. Like, uh, it was nice to see some gameplay for that had last. Like that was at like, the last like three minutes of the the direct, and it was good little gameplay. It looked nice. I didn't play the first Breath of the Wild, by the way, so um, ignore my criticisms if they don't if they like. You need to play the games to understand, but it does look good, and it's nice to finally see that it exists. I do think it should have been for a few more than three minutes, though, considering how much hype a lot of people had for it, and it's coming out next year, next May, I think. Like, I think a lot of people, like, were expecting more, like, in terms of sure, of Breath of Wild 2, and also the rumoured, like, ports of uh, Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess HD, because they were rumoured... Um, I know a lot of people did criticise the Direct for having too many JRPGs and farming sim announcements, which um, I kind of get that, like, I thought the Direct overall was good, but I'm a JRPG fan, so I can see what I liked it, but other people don't like it. But I also think it's important to state that this reflects the Switch in Japan, and comparison to the West. like. The Switch is in Japan, it's got like a ninety percent share of all new sales each week. It's ridiculous. So you're gonna get JRPGs announced for the thing, especially by Square Enix, because Square Enix have been using Directs for a while now to be de facto Square Enix presents events for all the Japanese stuff they have, which is a lot. And naturally they're gonna cash in on it. And it makes sense because nobody audience will be Japanese players as well as worldwide. But it also shows the age of the console. And the fact that Western devs are all increasingly starting to move on to the newer platforms. That they're not wanting to put the time or the energy to port all these games. Or if they have done, they find out that the games can't run well, if at all, because of their age or the tech and stuff. Because the tech, the Switch uses a NVIDIA chip that was even slightly dated in like 2017. So it's kind of like, it makes sense. And I think that's why you're seeing these JRPGs and farming sims. Because they aren't as intensive. They're closer to the audience for Switch stuff. Which is well not the ultra diehard gamers. Even though they have a portion. Like all these cozy games. That's what they're called now. Like farming sims. So that's why you see those as well. So I get it. And I can see why it didn't appeal to everyone. So this might be a trend in the future. But hopefully there's a bit more of a balance. That's not just you producing farming sims. And maybe there might be something in the future, at least from first party, because there were other things too, like there wasn't the, um, like the the other rumors as well, which didn't show up like Metroid Prime remaster and not much about Metroid Prime 4 either, but that'll probably be, be next year to be honest. So anyway. I'm going to talk about the other first party announcements now. I'm not going to go over everything because I don't have commentary to say on them. Same reason why I didn't touch on the other things earlier. So start with uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Wave 3 was confirmed to launch in the holiday season this year. It confirmed DS Peach Gardens and Merry Mountain in the gameplay. They look good. Like... I was like, "Mm, these have already been leaked. Because if you do look up the Mario League, you will find the whole of Wave 3 has already been leaked. So if if you've seen that, you will know what all the courses are. And it's like, why are you holding back this information when anyone could already find it out already? Like, just announce the whole Wave. You don't necessarily have to have a date set yet, but it's there. Like, it just felt a bit needlessly coy. And it's like, you don't need to do that. Like we know what it is and the other thing that i liked as well from the first party that was not an rpg spoiler is support of kirby's adventure Wii for the switch well that's what it's known as in europe and japan it's known as kirby's return to dreamland that's the original us name but is now got the word deluxe taped onto the end for this switch port in north america and europe confusing right this version is launching on the 24th February, 2023, worldwide. Um, as i just mentioned, this is an enhanced port of the Wii game. So I'm interested in this one because this is actually a game I wanted to pick up for my Wii collection, which um, I don't need to now because this port exists and it's got some extra content. Many, many games, but, you know, that's fine. I'm excited. I can't wait for this port. and I'm looking forward to checking it out. Switch Sports now. Uh, They had news saying the golf mode has been delayed towards the end of the year, and we will also have courses from Wii Sports, which um, is also funny. Not like Babylon's fail funny, but funny in the sense of, like, it shows this game was unfinished, like, if it's good you're extending the dev time to get this out properly. But that should have been done for the base game as well, like, Nintendo Switch Sports could have been a perfect, like, end of summer game. That would have been still rushed, but better, like... Oh dear, like, I think Switch Sports in general has become kind of a bit more of a disappointing game for me. Like, I played it for, like, five hours and got bored. Especially because it came clear to me that it had a live service feature with the compulsion. You had to, like, play every day to get these items you wanted. I'm like, you know what, fuck that, I'm not interested. And, yeah, that just put me off. So, it's a shame, really, because there's a lot of potential, especially for the nostalgia. And it did sell well, but, like, this golf mode should have just been in the game day one. So... Oh well, I <laughs> guess I'll go in the uh, the stinker part for the future, which uh, at least the original Wii Sports games did exist, so go check that out. Probably a better experience, potentially, although the new survival golf mode in the Switch Sports Online version does look good actually. Alright, Fire Emblem Engage, uh, this was the also leaked SRPG. This was like confirmed a while ago, but not officially. Um, the one that gust from Koei Tecmo games helped out with the graphics and this was revealed it looks beautiful in terms of RPGs this was like the first party highlight of the show for me um the having a whole like summons and past FE games is really cool uh basically the plot for this game is the fell dragon is reawakening after a thousand years you need to take him down and it just looks fantastic and i can't wait for this one Uh, January, 2023, I'm hoping to play more FE games before then, I don't know if I will though to be honest, because they're long games and they're fucking hard, but I think I'm going to try to jump back into the series with this game, if not, because I've played Awakening, like that game is great, but not anything else, but mainly because like, well I mentioned already, but also because playing other RPGs and not Fire Emblem is also pretty fun, uh, hashtag Utahwarimono, case in point. As for third-party games now, uh, Rune Factory 3 Special was confirmed. This is a port of the DS game that's got some revamped graphics and other stuff and also converted to a single screen. Uh, I'm also happy with this one. I've wanted to play this game for a long time. I actually had the DS version at one point, but I had to sell it. And at the time, it went for a fair bit of money, so it was worth selling. Um, and this game is launching in Switch on Switch for... Spring 2023 in Japan and later in 2023 in the West, but will probably 2024 if it's anything like the other games. But still looking great. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Bandai Namco announced a remaster for Tales of Symphonia in a direct. It was also announced for PS4 and Xbox One in the press release. Um, this is a remaster of the GameCube version. I'm also looking forward to this one. I'm so glad that we're starting to get more Tales remasters now because, like, the thing with the Tales games is in the past they used to be limited to one platform and they used to be quite scattered across formats like you had Gamecube, Wii, PlayStation 2, PS3 was the one we got the most on one platform prior to like the current generation. So bringing some more of these games back, especially the console exclusive ones or unlocalized ones would be great. And I'm hoping that includes some of the PS3 stuff, Hearts, Japan only stuff, and also Abyss as well, because that game is incredible. And deserves to play for more people, and not just be limited to the 3DS like it is in Europe. And Feet Rhythm Final Bar Line. Uh, this is a Square Enix announcement. Um, this is due out on February sixteenth next year. Uh, another like, Rhythm game in the Feet Rhythm series. Uh, I'm also actually interested in the Final Fantasy music because I'm more interested in the DLC music, which is from other franchises. They have not confirmed all of them, but they include the likes of Chrono Trigger. Mana, Nia, Saga, uh, Octopath Traveler. And that's really cool to see that. But coming back, it's kind of like just an ultimate Square Enix rhythm game, which is really cool. Um, I think about it, like, there is the MISC music. Like, could it be Kingdom Hearts? Could it be Dragon Quest? What other else could there be? Maybe Bravely Default? Uh, I'm thinking, well, Kingdom Hearts already got its own rhythm game. I've not played it. I did talk about it earlier, actually, but it exists. Uh, Dragon Quest got a feat rhythm game of its own that was feat rhythm Dragon Quest which only released in Japan and I'm still hoping that game will get localized preferably with an expanded port and not be included as DLC in this game. Not because it's I don't want it to because there's so much music in its own right and also because Koichi Sugiyama is dead now and Sugiyama is like Record label, or whatever it's called, is the one who actually owns most of the music to drain Quest. So maybe now he's passed away, that it'll be easier to possibly negotiate the licensing stuff for that. So that might potentially come over in the future, which I hope it does because it looks great. And by enhanced port, make it run on a single screen, add the music from DrainQuest Quest Eleven, add music from the spin-off games, and you've got tons of spin-off music to choose from and games as well. Monsters, Caravan Heart, Slime Roy Mori, Drain Quest Treasures, Drain Quest Builders, Drain Quest Heroes, uh, Drain Quest Monster Battle Road. None of you will know what that one is, but it's just so much to choose from. Add it in, make it an alternate package. Don't just include it in Barline, because you will not do it justice. In the future, maybe. I hope so, but fingers crossed. Alright, now onto the TGS news, uh, a lot happened, way too much we me to talk about, and a lot of it, much like the miss news, didn't appeal to me too much, or I wouldn't be able to talk about much of it, so I've just picked out a selection of things, uh, first one relates to Red Art games, because there are a couple of kind of semi-related TGS announcements, because they're both Japanese games, that they're doing prints off and distributing them, both in January, 2023. Uh, first one was one that we knew was coming, but wasn't like detailed yet. And that's Demon Gaze Extra. So this is the uh, Experience Inc. Dungeon Core RPG that came out last year digitally in the West, and technically physically too in Asia, if you apply a patch. Um, this is gonna have a day one edition, have an extra in-game items included, as well as a reversible cover. Um, this one is, um, I think this is the first one that's January, like, 13th or 18th or something like that. It's the first one. So that exists. So if it's good that's happening, that will be for PS4 and Switch. The second one, which I think is a little more controversial because of the IP owner, at least to me personally, and that's, uh, Ayudin Chronicle Rising. A lot of people know this is, like, the extra game for Ayudin Chronicle that, um... It's been like, well, it's in. It's been out already. People have played it. I've heard mixed things. I don't know how good it is, but I still want to check it out. Um, this is coming out for PS Five, PS Four, and Switch on the twenty sixth of January, and pre-orders will include the soundtrack, which is interesting or bonus actually. And the thing I find controversial about this for me is, um, this has been like involved. This is like being like one of the different people involved in this is 505 games and they're a company that do physical releases so they are they can do it themselves basically and this is a kind of thing that should be coming out worldwide basically but it's not being done like at retail like it should be in my opinion it should be like if you're a large enough company that you can do physicals yourself you should be doing them it's not the first time fire have done it they've uh The Switch version of Brothers, for example, wait, Super Rare did that, even though that could have gone to retail too. And I get the the capitalist arguments behind that, but like, no, you can do it yourself. The limited prints are for smaller indie companies, not for large publishers who are just doing it to cut out middlemen and save money in terms of actually making more profits, which is uh, annoying as hell. Like, it's, this is still better than nothing, and it's good there's going to be soundtrack CDs as a bonus, but, like, yeah, I think they should have got to retail. And um, But, yeah, I imagine those who read like the game will want the physical, we'll check it out, and uh, I'm considering it, actually, because I, I do have some interest in this game, and the uh, Red Art games have got have been putting out a lot of, lots of physicals, lately and it's good that they're multi-platform and based in the EU as well. So, in other words, rip custom fees if I do import from them. Anyway, I think the big news for RPGs at TGS, I think, is Suikoden 1 and 2 have been announced to be coming back. Konami, uh yes, fuck Konami, have announced remasters of them. It's called Suikoden 1 and 2 HD Remaster, Gate, Rune, and Dunan Unification Wars. Really convoluted title. Uh, this title is for... PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. So it's quite a um, the package. It's a, a graphical remaster. Uh, it's gonna have new character drawings for Sweden 1 by the original illustrator, uh, Junko Kawano. I apologize if I butchered that. It will have improved sound and quality life improvements, AKA accessibility, like dialogue log, auto battle, double speed battles. Really cool to see this stuff. I'm down for it basically. This is 2023. That's when it's gonna come out obviously this is good news because well for a start these are these are quite old rpgs a lot of older rpg fans especially look at them in high regard especially as like because they're on the ps1 and the ps2 they were never ported anywhere else except some on like psn which you could access on the ps3 and the vita i think the psp as well for some of them But because they were never released anywhere else properly, aside from emulation, like, if they're not as accessible now. And the the prices of the physical games, especially for Suikoden 1 and 2, and to a lesser extent, like, Suikoden 3 and 4, because in Europe they're still fairly cheap-ish, at least not until recently. It's like, they were just not as successful unless you turn to emulation, and, uh... It's good that they exist because they'll be so much more accessible now. And more people can check them out. And Konami will probably release them physically later on as well, potentially. Especially if limited run of anything to say about it. So that's going to be intriguing. And I'm looking forward to this, actually. This is probably like the RPG announcement of TGS for me. Unless anything amazing happens that somehow outdoes it before I publish this. Which I doubt, but you never know. Um, Although I do think these announcements were likely only done to, like, to, like, cash in on and be hyped for Ayudin Chronicle, because Konami, for years, probably made the dumb decision not to really do, bring this series back, and then now, like, the devs have left, they're making their own thing, which is basically Suikin and 6, in all but name, they're like, oh shit, we need to get on this train, and remaster this old crap, which, uh, yeah, not crap, but they're remastering this stuff, like, they're just Gonna bring it back, make money. It's still good for accessibility and bringing it to new audiences. I have played one hour of Sweet and three in the past. It was quite slow, and I think the quality of life improvements and improving the gameplay, assuming they ever get remastered too, will help a lot, especially for one and two, which are the oldest games. So, let's get going. It's gonna be great. I can't wait. Square Enix also announced uh, Infinity Strash, Dragon Quest Adventure Die. This is coming to PS5, PS4, Switch, and PC, and will be a simultaneous worldwide release, which for a Dragon Quest game is really cool, especially a spin-off like this. There's also Dragon Quest Treasures getting worldwide as well, but this one's for more platforms, which is so cool. Uh, this is another spin-off Dragon Quest game that's based on, like, The Adventures of die Manga, basically, because that's been, like, revived in the last few years and Square Enix... Did a colour mobile games for it as well, but now this one's like the console game. This is the experience that basically matters to a lot of people. Because not everyone plays phone games. And basically, alongside Treasures and Dragon Quest 3 HD 2D Remake, which has been announced, we've heard nothing about that for several months now, Dragon Quest in the West looks really bright and I'm so happy. Because, especially especially compared to the 3DS era and the late PS1, PS2 eras like... It's so good to be getting all these games now. The future's so bright and I can't wait to dig in. And uh, this is Action RPG. um, It'll be interesting to see how this plays out because bear in mind, I've not played Heroes. So this could actually be really good to play. And I'm intrigued. It's gonna be great. I can't wait. Drain Quest for life. And now I'm gonna start the future novel news and there's a fair bit actually. Because uh, some companies decided to randomly drop news this week that these old titles are now coming to modern platforms and with English. So, you won't have heard of any of these. I certainly didn't. So, let's get started. Uh, Kagado Studio first. They had one new game and as well as the remaster. So, they're called Tristia Legacy, which is the port, and Tristia Restore, the new game. AR are for Switch and PC. Both of these will be releasing in spring 2023 next year. They've been confirmed to have English, Japanese and Chinese text. And assuming they're out physically, we'll likely have English on the cart as well, which is really cool. Uh, Tristia Legacy, the remaster, is for a remaster of the town development simulation game, Tristia the Deep Blue Sea, with fully renowned graphics. So... That's going to be interesting, especially because this is an old PC game that came out in 2002. So around the same time as the likes of the original Zwei game. So, you know, Zwei the Argus Adventure, that game quite old. So it's about as old as this. And also the original PC version of Utawa Rimono also came out the same year. So if you've seen stills of that, not the remake, you'll see how old it is. And it's going to be interesting to see this on modern platforms and how it's been like tweaks for it, it's going to be interesting. Then you've got Tristia Restore, kind of like a new title and it basically takes the game systems from this Tristia legacy and basically turns it into a uh, quote-unquote slapstick management action game, whatever that is. So uh, yeah, Kagari Studio have made quite a few interesting games so it'll be interesting to see what happens here and uh, keep an eye on this one because I certainly am. Next one is uh, Akai Ito and Aoi Shiro HD Remaster. So yeah, two more obscure games, also for Switch and PC. These ones are from Success Corporation, because they actually did these, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, I had to do research on these ones, and these are both Yuri VNs, and from the PlayStation 2 era, so quite old. They were previously exclusive. Uh, Akai Ito was from 2004. Aoi Shiro is 2008, so they're quite old. Uh, They're coming out digitally as separate releases, but on Switch they'll be in a two-in-one physical bundle. Um, It's planned to launch in Japan in 2023 with both Japanese and Chinese language options. Uh, They're also planning English, so whatever that means, that might be on the cart, it might not be it might be coming west via another publisher, so like Axis or PQ for example. Uh, they look really nice. Um, I get the impression they're quite dark games and that's especially after looking at VNDB. So some of the tags include bad endings, supernatural beings, flowcharts, um, interesting options. There's quite a few, way too many to list here. Uh, Aoi Shreiro actually got a fan translation patch a while ago, believe it or not. I didn't know that until I looked at VNDB so Lot of people would actually have already played Aoi Shiro, so yeah, this game looks rad. Uh, if anyone's played Aoi Shiro, let me know. I doubt anyone listening to this will have played Aoi Shiro, but I'm gonna ask anyway. Um, It's gonna be, I'm looking forward to these and the other ones. These ones more, but I haven't even got to the one I'm excited for the most, which I'm coming on to now. The Crimson Flower that Divides, Lunar Coupling. For Switch and PC. This is another remaster of an old game. And this is actually by Operator Duo, which is an Otome game developer. Because, yes, this is an Otome game. And this is being published and localized by Dramatic Create, which is basically Huniex's console games division into English and Chinese. And this is going to be called... This is another old game, as I mentioned. This is from 2012. Um, this is kind of set in a land where women are scarce due to a fatal disease in a, like a Middle Eastern like desert-esque setting from what I've seen um, VD and tags include that but also things like drama, bad endings, discrimination, uh, kidnapping Yes, this is a Darker Automate game And this is also a port of the Vita version which itself was an enhanced port And this one's got more enhanced ports like new after stories It's like the definitive release of the game, for what I gather. Um, Now, the interesting thing about this one, unlike the other games, is this game was originally an R18 Otome game. And if you know anything about 18 plus Otome games, you will know that they're an extremely rare breed of game. Like, they almost never get localized. So you've got people actually wanting and aren't wondering whether the 18 plus content will come over. And uh, I've not played it, so I can't really say what it contained. Apart from the fact that given it's got dark VNDB triggers, you can kind of guess it's probably going to be a bit questionable. And it was like, they didn't explicitly confirm that at first, but then I was like, oh no, it's not coming over. It's going to only be the same as the the, the Switch R17, which is fine. Although that did upset some people. It's like, I get the disappointment there. Like, especially because 18 plus content like usually never gets translated from termes. But one, it'll probably get patched in after release, especially the Steam version, because that's where the PC version's going. And the second thing is, don't be, like, the Bishojo fanbase, please. Like, I see, like, vision novels relating to, like, games usually shame the straight men. And when the discourse comes up there, it's very toxic. Like, it's it's disgusting, the attitude of some of those people, like, just I'm not going to go into it here because it's just one triggering and two off topic, but don't be like that, please. Like, doesn't say mean accept what you've got, but like, be civil about it. And if it is questionable fucked up content, don't ask for it because it makes you look like a fucking creep. As the other thing, um, which is more understandable, um, get repsable Translators, please, Dramatic Crate, actually release properly. Not just for the fans, but for the game itself, give it the for translation it deserves. Especially playing the Steam version of, of well not, the Switch version of Steam Prison which was uh, translated by someone who worked for Manga Gamer and that was like also for Steam so it had a reputable translation. Do that please, not necessarily via Manga Gamer or a company like that but just do it properly please and it will turn out fine. But I am looking forward to this one, this is the one I'm most looking forward to so fingers crossed this turns out okay. Now on to the what I've been playing section, so the section that's actually going to be substantially long this time because I've got a lot to talk about, largely because a lot of time has passed and I've been playing through stuff because I've been playing more on Steam lately, I've been wanting to catch up on visionables that I've missed out on basically because I was either waiting for them to come to consoles, didn't want to just play the pc versions or in some places couldn't play the pc versions because of stuff that happened in personal life etc but now it's like i've got the time i've got the space i'm now going to do it and sit through and play these games because there's a lot of stuff i've missed out on that i want to play through and years of waiting for console ports that don't come kind of get boring after a while like obviously some things do come to consoles now like neko come to consoles a lot of front wing stuff's come to consoles. A lot of Otome games have come to consoles. Even bloody Steam Prison and Hashihimi, a BL games come to consoles. And a whole bunch of ELVNs as well. Like a lot of stuff's come to consoles, but not everything will, especially because some developers just won't do them. Like if you go to like some manga gamers partners, like most like many of the ones they've worked with a long time, like Overdrive and Minuri. While they were still making games, they didn't release anything on consoles. Except Overdrive, actually. Because Overdrive, they released a console version of their game called Musicus. But that's not come to the West, and that's actually a superior version. So, it's weird how this stuff works. So, like, even if it comes to consoles, it doesn't mean it's going to get localised. Which is, especially, uh, synth expansion stuff as well, which is a whole tangent of its own. But basically, like... For various reasons, you can't hope console versions get localised unless they're made for consoles to begin with. So, that aside, first one's pretty big for me, actually, because it was my first BL game! And I've wanted to play Yaoi games for a while, mainly because, like, well, I've played basically every other type of game, like, Galge, Otome, Yuri, and it just left Yaoi and obviously with Yahweh games, they're, they're probably among the most niche of of all the VN genres, like in terms of localizations, we've only really started getting them again properly in the last few years, like there were a handful before 2015, so like no thank you, and then there was a huge gap for like 7 years uh, where nothing came over at all, but whereas now in 2022 we've got a majority of Nitro Plus Tribals library released or on its way, a whole bunch of other titles from different companies like Manga Gamer have done games as well like most of these I won't play because they're just adults only but they exist, there was of course a few a few others miscellaneous ones and then you've even got this like Mooncharm Localization Company releasing Tuki or Miyoji, which is a really random pickup for such a new company which uh, which I remember the opening theme for that because I listened to that years ago. I didn't know what it was at the time. I was like, oh, this is badass. And now it's actually come out in English. And it's kind of half tempting me to want to play it, not going to lie, because that music is badass. But putting all that aside, this game was Dramatical Murder, which I think is a really good starting point, actually, because this is like the most popular BL game that Nitro plus Chiral, which is the. BL label for Nitro Plus have ever released basically like the most popular game the one that everyone loves the one that's got overwhelming positive the one that just came out in Chinese actually because that's getting a Chinese release now so you can go on steam get it in Chinese now which is really cool for such a game so who knows if it does get a switch port it will get free languages if it ever happens and isn't just released in Japanese but they've done ports before they did one for sweetpool as well and then Dramatical Murder on the Vita ages ago. So you never know. Anyway, I'm going really off topic now. I really like this game. I love the unique atmosphere. The whole the characters were great. The music as well. The really unique synths. Like it combines like technological stuff with like something that resembles like not technological. And having the kind of a clash between like the, the advanced like dystopian like techno city world and the rest of the old industrial district which is what it's called um the story was really well developed it's not too long a game either like for me it took like about 16 hours but bear in mind i'm a fast reader and i skipped the porn like there's an all ages version on steam play that if it's all ages i didn't get the patch for it i'm not i don't want to, to view that if i don't have to and it was nice to pay through that and enjoy it and see this really well developed story with these characters and all these plot points like It's not a difficult game either, like, I enjoyed it there. Well, definitely some problematic elements though, especially regarding Mink, which is one of the characters, some of what happens in his route, which is really disturbing. And there's a bad ending on the last route, which uh, it's... I'm not going to spoil it, but it's probably the most distressing ending of the whole game for me, and some different things were quite disturbing. And Bear in mind, the 18-plus content also includes more darker content outside of sex scenes like not saying the sex scenes are dark but they'll be darker like blood and gore stuff which uh i don't want to see so take that in uh, take that in mind when i tell you about the game if you're feeling a bit skimmish, i'd suggest playing your latest version like it was it was good i thought about maybe making a full video i don't know to be honest maybe if it gets a port to other consoles i'll think about it but i want to play more bl games like I do want to play more. If anyone's got any recommendations, let me know. Um, I'm also thinking about playing, like, Dream Daddy. Because I have that on Steam already. Had that for years. Forgot about it. Um, I want to play more of the Night Plus Travel stuff. And I want to play Hashihimi as well. Because that's on Switch. And is uh, really good, actually. I've heard nothing but good things about Hashihimi as well. So, um, yeah. Uh, BL is pretty rad. And then the other big thing that I play in terms of the ends... Um, Uh, heart of the woods so a lot of people know this one like this is different as well because um i don't really play english original vns like i tend to mainly play japanese and i think it's large because of the ones that were available and i do want to change that like i have been playing like some non-japanese ones but this is the one that i've mainly played recently and the one i love the most like i know a lot of people like really like heart of the woods and it's not hard to see why once you've played it like uh was able to get it on steam um it is on consoles like rather like a game's ported that and a bunch of other games to consoles like loads like a, too many to count but i heard that port's broken which doesn't surprise me because sekai projects involved anyway um I also managed to, manage to get a physical release only so to run games, but let's be honest, that probably isn't going to happen till next year. I'd like to be wrong, but limited run games are now taking forever to get games out, so I'm more of that. So I just got it on Steam and played for it. Um basically stops this for this, like Tara and Maddie go to Eisenfeld, to look into reports of paranormal activity as part of an online content creation show called TARA normal. Which is really cool. Um, basically, like it's basically set in a northern country by these mysterious woods. Uh, no, like country names ever given, but the implication is northern Europe, maybe somewhere like Scotland. I don't know, or even like Sweden. It's not explicitly said, but that's fine. Uh, this is very much a queer games so with girls loving girls. uh Great voice acting. I really like the dub for it. Uh, visuals were nice as well. The art is beautiful. It. It felt, in some ways, like I was playing a Japanese-style VN because of the high-budget. Like, You shouldn't really associate high-budget with Japanese VNs, but because, of course, in Japan it's all bigger and that, that's usually what happens. And so when you get games of a high-budget like Heart of the Woods that isn't pixel-based, it's a huge breath of fresh air, and I do really like that. And I really hope we start seeing more higher-budget English-language original VNs because it's clear that these devs have got so much potential. Uh, the story is great too. The romance is really wholesome, especially between the couples. Like, and then you got like the the over- yeah, the overarching story is great as well. Like I just mentioned that, but like not just the romantic development, but also the overarching world and what's actually going on in Eisenfeld. And that was so cool. It is a short game. Probably like, take like five to ten hours to to get it all, but it's free endings. Pacing is great. It doesn't outstay. It's welcome. It has three endings. Uh, it's got one good ending, which is like a true ending. And then you've got two other endings, which, I mean... The walkthrough I used said they were bad endings, but I consider them to be more like tragic love endings, which, um, yeah, I'm not going to spoil what they are, but bear that in mind that you could consider them bad endings. So if you want to avoid them, I suggest looking at a walkthrough or maybe skipping them, like... But I do think that if you can... I do think they're worth watching, they're not just, they're not triggering, they're just tragic, and there's a huge difference with that, and like, kind of reminded me of Nor 9's, like, tragic love endings in some ways, like, all these people are together, but it's not as happy as it looks, or, oh, this bad thing happened, but they'll always have love and connection, and that kind of thing, that's what a tragic love ending is, and I like those, yeah, I liked, like tragic love endings, I know, I'm awful, aren't I, so yeah, I want to play more Yuri stuff, English, Japanese, you name it, If anyone also has recommendations, let me know! Bonus points if it's really obscure too. And as for non-Vision novels, I have been dabbling with the Tokyo Mirage Sessions. This is, well, the Atlas RPG set in Tokyo. A lot of people know what it is, and not Persona 5. That's a different game. Um, This one is meant to be the Fire Emblem crossover, on paper anyway. In practice, it feels like it's its own thing, like it's got references, it's got the character designs, it's got some incorporation of gameplay elements, such as the, the the triangles and some of the items like you can throw hand axes or cast flux. Those kind of things are there, but it's, it it doesn't really feel like a crossover. It feels more like its own thing that just picks things from both. Like even the whole, the whole idol talent thing, like it's not even in Persona. Like you get arcs like Risei Kujikawa from Persona 4, that does have an idle background, but you don't get it as a full-on idle thing. It felt like a chance, like, for what I've played so far, like a chance for Atlas to experiment. Not just with their own stuff or with Fire Emblem, but just, like, to have this arc of, like, the idle stuff. But you couldn't really incorporate into a Persona game. But you also couldn't incorporate into Mainline mainline Ten either. It just feels more like something that would, if not for the crossover, be its own spin-off, which is fine, by the way. Um, the Tokyo map is also really cool. I think that's probably potentially a great map, maybe even better than Persona Five in some ways, because it feels a lot more colourful. It's so bright and vibrant. I love the bright brightness and aesthetic of this game with its tone. It's just fantastic. Same with the vocal tracks; it just feels so happy and upbeat overall, and I really like that. And I'm hoping I can get this game done. It's like it's not as long as the other games, like nowhere near as long as Persona Five, for example. From what I've heard, it's about 40 hours to get it all done but bear in mind I'll point up doing side stories and some of the extra content as well but you never know um so far it's good I hope it stays that way but yeah I can definitely see why people didn't like it because it is it is such a unique game that doesn't really meet what people were expecting in some ways so I do kind of get that but I like it so you know I'm gonna keep playing it Anyway, now this is the part I'm going to end the episode. So thank you all for tuning in to the 24th episode of Miller's Gaming Podcast. The first one after a year of doing stuff, as I mentioned at the start. If you enjoyed the show, please like, like, comment, subscribe, five-star ratings, etc. And so on and so forth. And all of that, etc. Algorithm boosting stuff. Thank you so much and have a lovely day. Bye-bye.